Treks in Sci-Fi number 701 for October 7th, 2018. everyone this is jeff jedi jeff as well and uh this week i am guest hosting treks and sci-fi um back in the seat uh, rico asked me to uh, jump in and guest host and uh, i uh, happily agreed and uh, looking forward to um the show today um i'm going to be talking about um another ship um i'm going to talk about a ship that um one of my favorite ships from uh, the next generation um the ferengi marauder uh, so that will be the the ship that I'll be talking about today. Uh, but first off, um, I got some congratulations in order. I'd like to congratulate Rico on the uh, recent uh, milestone of uh, 700 episodes. Um, congratulations, Rico! That's a that's a great accomplishment. Um, not many people get to uh, 700 um, podcasts, um, so uh, give yourself a real um, pat on the back. Um, great job um like I say it's a great community and um happy to have uh, known you for for uh, quite a quite a number of years i was fortunate enough to get to meet you um a few years ago back at uh, star wars celebration and uh, it was such a privilege um to be able to meet you uh, as well as a few of the other people like chris and joe so um and i've had opportunities to meet a few other people um Throughout the years, uh, like I said, I got to uh, meet uh, Rick Moyer as well. So it's it's always uh, it's always great um, when you get to actually meet uh, people that you uh, interact with um, online. Um, so congratulations, Rico, again on 700 episodes. Uh, you know that's a lot of a lot of work and a lot of time. I know you put into this uh, into this podcast. Um, thanks so much for doing it. I guess as well too. I'd like to um, take this chance. To wish everyone in, I guess, in North America, I guess, um, Canada and the U.S. Uh, Canada, we're going to be, um, we have our Canadian Thanksgiving uh, this weekend. I'm from Canada, so I'll be celebrating Thanksgiving. And um, also like to wish all the, my American uh, counterparts uh, happy Columbus Day. Uh, hopefully, uh, wherever you are, you, uh, you get the day off. Um, hopefully, if not, um, it's a good day wherever but uh, i like to wish everyone uh, uh great holiday days um if they get them and if other people in other parts of the world have holidays on those days um i hope you have a great time as well too bad the whole world can't be off at the same time but i guess that's the way it goes anyways i'm kind of rambling here so may may as well kind of jump into the uh podcast the first details of the new star wars series have emerged let's talk about it <laughs> Hey guys, I'm Andy Gutierrez from The Star Wars Show with a bit of late-breaking Star Wars news. 
Yesterday, John Favreau revealed on his Instagram the title and synopsis for the new Star Wars series he's writing and executive producing entitled The Mandalorian. According to his Instagram, after the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. StarWars.com has also just revealed this first image of the series, as well as news that production on the series has officially begun. The Mandalorian will be written and executive produced by the Emmy-nominated producer and actor John Favreau, with Dave Filoni directing the first episode. Additional episodic directors include Thor Ragnarok's Taika Waititi, Soulmates' Bryce Dallas Howard, Dope's Rick Fumiyiwa, and Jessica Jones's Deborah Chow. The Mandalorian, executive produced by John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Kathleen Kennedy, Colin Wilson, and Karen Gilchrist, co-executive producing, will debut exclusively on Disney's upcoming streaming service. And for more news and information about The Mandalorian and all other aspects of the Star Wars galaxy, make sure you check out The Star Wars Show this Wednesday and every Wednesday at noon. Thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you. So, wow, that's uh, some big news there. Um, that kind of uh, caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting that we would get any sort of announcement about uh, new Star Wars kind of um, um, content coming out and this new uh, Star Wars uh, live-action uh, streaming series, The Mandalorians. Um, that's got me really excited. I'd, I'd heard rumors, I guess, um, you know, because uh, they had made the announcement that Jon Favreau was working on a live action series and i i heard rumors or speculation that people felt it would be around um mandalorians and i'll be honest um i wasn't all that excited i felt that um i felt that uh between like the clone wars and rebels um and you know maybe some of the books and comics and things like that 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 story had been kind of covered so it's just like uh, i don't know i'm not sure i need any more um, stories about uh, Mandalorians, but the way they describe this as this kind of just being a kind of a lone, you know, Mandalorian kind of in kind of the outer rim or outer reaches of the galaxy, kind of in between the fall of the Empire and the rise of the uh, of the First Order, um, it's got me kind of really intrigued because um, I like that whole idea of just kind of uh, like kind of a lone gunman and in the wild west and this kind of uh, is shaping up to be that so i'm kind of i'm kind of looking forward to that and i'm kind of interested to see um you know see how it plays out um you know if they bring in you know any characters which possibly may have been in some of the animated shows if if those those characters may come in or not or if they bring in other characters from different parts of canon i'm kind of excited about that i'm also pretty excited as well too about the the people that they have uh behind it like say john favreau is the um he's kind of the showrunner or the executive producer but then it sounds like dave filoni is also uh quite involved in this series and uh i'm i'm pretty excited about that like say i've been um really enjoy a lot of the love the stuff that he has put out for like uh, clone wars and rebels and uh to see him to kind of um, step into uh, into the live action uh, side of things, uh, it's got me excited, uh, you know, because he he's a guy who kind of uh, learned under the uh, hand of George Lucas, and uh, for him to be involved in this series, I think is um, I think that's something pretty special, and uh, some of the other people that they've got in there as well too, like they say uh, Taiki Waititi, I think that the fellow who. Uh, directed uh, Thor Ragnarok is going to be directing an episode and then Bryce Howard Dallas or Bryce Dallas Howard or uh, I can't run Howard's daughter anyways uh, she's also going to be directing so I, I I'm kind of excited 
excited for this um, this series. It's like I say, I was a TV series that maybe I wasn't as excited about, but now I'm pretty excited. I find it kind of interesting though that um, that they have kind of they announced it just just uh, just when uh, that uh, new cartoon series uh, Star Wars Resistance, which will be debuting uh, tonight, I guess, as when this show gets released, it be de- debuting on uh, October seventh. Um, you know they they announced this prior to that, and I'd seen some of the um, promotional stuff for Star Wars Resistance, and I'll probably watch it. But like, say it wasn't anything that got me really excited or anything like that. And now with this announcement, it's made me even kind of less ex- excited. Or I wouldn't use the word excited, but it's made me less interested in that Star Wars in, uh, Resistance than I, I was before. So. I guess we'll see how how that works out, but um, like I say, yeah, I'm really interested to see kind of what they they take with this uh, Mandalorian, and I wonder if they'll do any sort of flashbacks because uh, John Favreau had voiced uh, a character in the Clone Wars, I believe it was Pre Bizla, which was a Mandalorian. So I wonder if they'll they'll flash back to maybe you know him playing that character or him voicing that character and do some flashbacks to the era during the Clone Wars or something like that. Uh, that would be. That would be kind of interesting. Of course, Pre Vizsla, he's, he's, he died in the Clone Wars at the hand of Darth Maul. Uh, spoiler alert, sorry for anyone who hadn't seen the, the Clone Wars, but uh, it'll be interesting if he, if he might kind of bring that character or references of that character in, into his show. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. So anyways, those are kind of my thoughts on the Mandalorian um, news that we just got. And... Um, kind of excited about that i guess other news um i'm sure rico is going to be covering this off in the next uh next podcast but uh they're starting to release uh these uh star trek discovery uh shorts and i've watched a little bit of the first one off to finish watching it um but uh it looks uh pretty good i was kind of surprised at the length on these things i i when i heard shorts i thought like like you know like a couple minutes i didn't realize they're going to be like 15 minutes or so i was like wow you know that you're getting a, a decent story there so i'm i'm kind of uh interested or looking forward to finishing watching watching it i, I just kind of started watching it i go wow this looks pretty good i was just watching it on my laptop then i thought well you know what i kind of want to watch it on a larger screen so i'm going to watch that a little later after i've finished recording this podcast but um anyways i look forward to uh you know rico uh kind of covering off some of these shorts uh, like I say i'm sure he'll have some uh, good thoughts on that uh, so anyways um rambling on again so i think it's time for me to take a quick break and then i'll be back with kind of my main topic for this podcast we are within visual range sir on screen it is a ferengi transport ship decora class that's the same ferengi vessel that entered the corridor a week ago captain i am picking up power emissions from the ferengi vessel they're locking weapons shield up so i'm back here and uh now ready to kind of uh cover off the uh the main topic for this podcast um and that that topic will be as i i mentioned earlier is i'm going to talk about uh another ship um this time uh this is one of my favorite ships from the uh, tng era of uh, star trek and that is the uh, ferengi marauder or the decora class um ship um, like I say, this is, um, this is one that I always kind of liked. I kind of liked the design. It had kind of, um, like I say, 
it wasn't a really advanced well i shouldn't say advanced but it wasn't like like you look at it and there's not like a lot of it's not a lot of like greeblies and little things all, all over it and a lot of technical details all over it which really catch your eye it's got more of this organic kind of look to it it's got yeah, more kind of smooth kind of angled lines to it um like say it's kind of designed after uh what they kind of referenced uh, kind of a strange horseshoe crab like design to it so it's got this kind of roundish design to it but then it's got um like the the front end of the ship has kind of got more of an aggressive kind of look to it like almost of a predator type look and then it's got it's got like the the sides of it like the um um the port and starboard kind of sides have like kind of like where they have like the disruptors or whatever they have like kind of almost claw type um appendages to it and then um the front like the bridge area also looks like they have little little kind of uh, just way it kind of the the ends kind of point out and perude it, it looks kind of like a it, it looks like some sort of like crab type creature or some kind of aggressive type creature um which really goes hand in hand i think well with the ferengi because they're kind of um they're not overly um you know like they're not the more aggressive type uh species in the star trek uh universe but that said uh you know you get in front of um their quest for profit and they they, they get pretty uh angry but um like you say I, I just there's something about this ship and then even the color of it it's got this kind of rusty type brown color to it and uh i just it was always a ship that i i really found like say quite quite interesting i guess too it kind of um you know i have a strong i really liked um like the klingon ships from you know i like the the klingon you know bird of prey and i really like say i'm a big fan of the uh the Klingon D7 and the Klingon Katinga, like say, I really like that design. And this one almost kind of, it's not like, it's it's got a few kind of similarities where, you know, like it's a much more stubby and more round and wide, but like say you've got like kind of this this back kind of primary hall area where you, almost you looks like you have like, where kind of like you have, where they have the nacelles or whatever for the uh, the Klingon ships, you know, like say it almost like, it almost kind of mimics that a little bit, but just more in this roundish thing. And then it has a bit of a neck and then, you know, the front bridge area, again, their bridge kind of spans out again, kind of um, on each side. But again, you know, it's kind of got this main hall and it's got a neck and then it's got kind of this bridge area. So I guess I find it kind of, it kind of reminds me a bit of those, those Klingon ships, um, like say, which I, I so enjoy. So that's probably why I like this ship, even though it's, it's a much more round and stylized and organic type look to it. Um, like I say, I, I really, you know, it was, it's a real favorite of my ship, real favorite ship of mine. Uh, get those words out properly. So anyways, I'll, you know, I'll go over a few of the, uh, the details on it. I'll, I'll go over uh, first the um, in universe type kind of uh, details on this ship. And then uh, I'll talk a little bit, maybe more about, um, you know, some of the design on it as well so from an in-universe standpoint um let me first say that captain jean-luc picard um stated that this was a very impressive design for the ship and that um 
that Jordy LaForge, um, Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge, almost as fast as a Galaxy class starship. And um, this ship was, it's a pretty big ship, slightly smaller than a Galaxy class starship, but um, but uh, like I say, it was, uh, it was a, I guess like I say, it was, it was kind of a formidable ship. It wasn't necessarily, um, wasn't necessarily um, capable capable to stand up to some of the the better class of uh, Federation ships. Then um, you know it just it didn't have the firepower and the you know the brute and all that kind of stuff. But it um, if it came up against you know some lesser class uh, Federation ships, then then um, you know they 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 really met their match. But um, anyways, um, like I said, it's a it's classified as a decor class ship. Um, and the captains of it are, are are daemons who would um either they purchase their way into becoming a captain or or whatever ways that the ferengi get into it but um they're kind of their role uh, then is to kind of expand the ferengi alliance looking for new trade opportunities either through trading smuggling or piracy um which is you know again you know ferengi are all about profit um what else i was going to say um I guess the um the the Federation kind of considered that this ship was either considered a warship or a transport ship by the Federation, whereas the Frangi also kind of considered it an attack ship. It was kind of a real multi purpose type ship because it could all it could be used for like attack or battle, but then it could also be used for like transport and kind of smuggling and commerce and so it was a it was a ship that the Frangi were able to use for multiple purposes. Um, given that the Ferengi are very much into profit and all that, that that's that's the main goal of this ship is to allow them to uh, to gain more profit, to gain more trade opportunities, to smuggle, to be pirates, whatever. They this ship kind of accommodated them on that. Um, the ship is six hundred and thirty meters long, two hundred and ten meters in width, and eighty four meters high has 33 decks it has a crew complement of 450 uh, warp warp 9 plus it has a forward missile launchers it has torpedo launcher at the peak of the ship's primary hull it has um, energy weapons they're kind of claw they're the ones I was mentioning before they're kind of claws on the port and starboard side and then they also have uh, some of the ships have a uh, electromagic pulse weapon that and that's at the aft of the ship, and um, what it will do is um, it, it can be used to uh, weaken deflector shields on um, on Federation ships. So that might give them a bit of an advantage when it came to battle. If you know they they don't have the you know they don't have the you know they're not the ship that the um, the Federation ships are. Um, but you know if they weaken the uh, deflector shields, that might give them a bit of an advantage. Um, as well, too, uh, what else do we have here? Um, they also have kind of a large attack ship, which is kind of on, on the belly of the ship, and that's meant for um, as a, kind of a drop ship for a kind of planetary raids. Um, but uh, that wasn't really ever seen very much in the, the TV series, if, if ever. I, they kind of designed it, but then uh, none of the scripts ever called for it uh, for the episodes that the ship had kind of uh, shown up in. Um, so kind of an interesting note. And then they also, they're also outfitted with shuttles and things like typical, uh, starships would have. So 
things like that. Also, too, um, when I was doing a little bit of reading on this ship, um, this this starship also has uh, two warp engines. Um, like again, like I say, it's got it's capable of warp nine plus. But they're kind of indicating because the warp engines are kind of like on the back of the um, of the ship. And um, the interesting thing is, according to uh, Gene, Gene Roddenberry and kind of his kind of um, Star Trek um, his Star Trek Bible or rules is that um, all starships uh, cannot have three engines and they cannot have one engine. They need to have you know kind of two engines or engines in kind of groups of two. So this one has uh, two engines as well. They just kind of stretch on kind of each side of um, of the back of the ship, and kind of uh, and since it's kind of got a round back, they kind of um, kind of stretch around. So it's kind of interesting, uh, like say, just uh, you know, kind of Gene Rodberry who's kind of uh, you know, like he said, you know, these starships can only have like um, you know two warp engines, which is kind of interesting. But then again, that all good. Things Enterprise had three, so uh, like say, I'm sure that we've probably seen a few other uh, examples in the in the Star Trek world that um, that where uh, you know there was engine engine configurations which didn't meet uh, you know Gene's uh, original uh, specifications. Um, kind of the a few other interesting notes too is um, it first appeared like the. Uh, this uh, Fer- Feren- Ferengi Marauder first appeared. Uh, it appeared in six episodes of the Next Generation, uh, with the first being the uh, last outpost. The last outpost. The last outpost. I'll get that out there, um, which was in the first season, and um, like I say, and it only appeared in six episodes. Um, and then the last time we saw it was. Um, in the final season of Voyager, um, in the episode Inside Man, and uh, that was um, the last time we saw it. You know, kind of interesting enough, um, I found it kind of interesting, was that Deep Space Nine was, you know, we had Quark and uh, lots of uh, Ferengi, but the ship never came up in there. We never saw the ship, or at least never saw it on screen. So it was kind of interesting, and... uh, uh, like I said, I might have mentioned before earlier that this was actually the first uh, ship they designed, uh, first alien ship they designed for this series. So, and apparently, like I say, um, they'd used the kind of the filming, or they'd used a physical filming uh, model for this ship um, throughout the episodes that they used. But um, when it came to Voyager, um, they actually uh, they did switched over by the last season of Voyager. They're switched over to using CGI models. So this was actually one of the last um, last uh, uh, Star Trek ships, which was a physical model, which was kind of um, converted over to a CGI model. So, so in that last season of uh, Voyager, that this model was actually um, um, CGI model. They had actually pulled out the actual physical model out and you know, kind of scanned it into the computer to kind of build the CGI model. So that was kind of interesting. Um, I was reading some other notes on the um, on the the design of the ship, like the process uh, on the design of the ship, and it was kind of uh, interesting. Like, say, it was designed by um, one of the model builders uh, named Andrew Probert. Uh, uh, he is quite well known in um, Star Trek for designing a lot of the ships. Um, like, say, I have. Like a lot of those guys, like uh, I think uh, it's just dream job. I, you know, like if I had if I had the skills to build models, 
And I was able to work on like Star Trek. I'd be like, oh, this is like the dream job to be able to build uh, build models and all that and design new ships. Uh, so anyways, it was designed by him. Um, I'll read a quote um, that he had um, said about the model. I thought it was kind of an interesting quote. Um, he said, the Ferengi ship, I wanted to have not only an obvious shape difference, but a texture difference as well. The original description of the Ferengi ship was a horseshoe crab design with a neck that would extend. The front of the ship I wanted to look fairly dangerous. Something that seems real dangerous looking to me are the pincers on an earwig insect. I designed the front of the ship to basically have that shape. On the underside of the vessel is a boarding ramp which can be seen when the ship turns around. The back of the ship is basically used for cargo storage, seeing how the Ferengis are traders. As it happened, the horseshoe crab design coincided with Gene Roddenberry's dictum of warp engines operating in prayers. Right, in Paris, I'd say. So again, um, like I say, that was that was a bit of a quote from um, from uh, Andrew Probert about um, kind of. Um, the design on the ship and I, I found that interesting like how they they kind of um um came about with the uh, the design of it and they kind of said they came about this horseshoe uh crab um they kind of picked that design kind of based off of um i guess uh one of the one of the producers on the uh, show had uh he had a little horseshoe or sea horseshoe crab or sea creature on his desk and they kind of got the inspiration um for the design from that so I, I found that kind of interesting um like say and another thing I, I was kind of reading as well too about this model was that um, they had a few different models for this they had like a larger kind of a studio scale model that they used and then they had like kind of a, a smaller model and they originally they had built this um this studio scale model and then they kind of made it articulated um because there was certain um postures that they wanted this um ship to have like they wanted the ship to have kind of a kind of an aggressive posture and when that happened like say maybe the like the uh, disruptor weapons would uh, on the port and starboard sides would kind of um kind of kind of extend out of the ship and, and kind of give it a more aggressive look but then they also had uh, a posture that they wanted to uh, have for when um the ferengi may surrender where the neck of the ship would kind of extend and kind of um, it would kind of expose some um, kind of uh, sensitive areas and that was a meant as like uh, a sign of um, surrender and so they had they had tight timelines and they were trying to develop um, these um, these kind of articulated uh, pieces into the ship um, because they're saying oh the script was calling for this or that um, you know, for the ship to do this or to do that. And like, say, you know, the model builders would get, you know, the, get the information from like the, you know, the production, the people doing the production on the show. And they're trying to, uh, to get that, um, in there, but, um, and they did get that in there, but then I guess when they're doing like production and all that, then, then they started, you know, like editing, and then, you know, like, oh, we only have so much time for this shot. So then they start dropping things. So then they didn't really need that. And then as well, too, um, they had done some shots um, where they extended the, um, with the, uh, the, 
you know, the, the disruptors, and then I guess they had ended up, um, you know, damaging the the lighting in the ship or something like that. So, in the end, the model worked, but it wasn't it wasn't working for them. It was taking them too long to kind of film the the sequences with the model. So then, in the end, what they had to do is they just kind of took a a, a new mold of the ship, just basically the shell of the ship, um, without any of the articulation in it, and they they kind of um, built that up really quickly. And then for the most part, that's kind of the model that, that they kind of used for used for the rest of the, of the series. Every time the mo- you know, the, you know, a story came up where they needed to make use of that model. And I found that kind of interesting that, uh, you know, they went to all this work to build this more detailed model, but in the end they just used a much more basic model because, you know, even though it could do, some of those features, um, you know, it just it took too long, and then uh, the story's never called for it. And then they're also talking about kind of that, that kind of that drop ship, which is on the belly of the ship. That they kind of um, put that in there, but then you know, the script just never really, the script never really called for it. So they, you know, they never ended up using it, and. They, they, I think they even kind of said, you know, some ships would have it, other ships wouldn't have it. Um, so it was kind of interesting that, uh, you know, kind of the process and, you know, someone will go and they'll they'll write it and they'll film it and they'll say, like, say, oh, we need this ship to do this. And then, you know, pass that on to the model builders. Like, say, that's something I've never really thought of where, you know, in the writing, you know, when they're planning out shots and all that, that we want the ship to do this. And then the model, model builders have to go and try and... Um, try try and make that happen i guess nowadays you know with the use of um more commute computer rendered uh um ships and all that kind of stuff that that sort of stuff is easier to do because that's that's just done in the computer whereas you don't have to do something um more mechanically with these ships so i thought that was kind of interesting um kind of uh, background so anyways that's kind of my talk on um on the Ferengi Marauder again, like say it's it's kind of it's a real favorite of mine. Um, like say it's like say again, you know, there's you look at it and maybe there's nothing that really jumps out at you, but just just the design and like say I like again, you know, like it's got some some nice curves to it, but then it's also got a bit of an aggressive look to it as well. Um, if a person's looking for you know maybe more information on this ship uh, more than uh, I've provided, because there's certainly um, you can certainly much more you can get on this ship. Um, there's a couple of YouTube channels you could probably check out uh, Trek Yards, or um, you know they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of videos on um, all the different uh, ships from uh, Star Trek, all the different classes. So you can check out them, or you can check out another um, YouTube channel called Space Dock, and uh, you can get some more details on on this really interesting ship. So thanks for uh, that. You know, listening to my discussion here on the. Ferengi Marauder. Traveler, welcome to the promenade. Humble quark at your service. Behold, Star Trek Deep Space Nine action figures. Commander Benjamin Sisko, he helps me run the station. And Security Chief Odo, very strict and sneaky for someone so honest. Here's Lieutenant Dax, Chief O'Brien, and Major Kira Nerys. I know she's crazy about me. Wonderful, aren't they? Especially this one. So handsome. Pains me to part with it, but if you pay me now, ah, security. What a pleasant surprise. Okay, I'm kind of back, and I'm going to do, uh, you know, maybe some quick uh, collectible talk here. 
Uh, first, I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, I guess my main topic again was the Ferengi Marauders. Um, I guess if you're looking for um, some collectibles for uh, for the uh, Ferengi Marauder, um, you got a few choices, not a lot of choices. So um, the first choice you really got is you can go to uh, Eagle Moss. Eagle Moss is um, Eagle Moss has got uh, like uh, they've got um, a nice ship, which uh, I think uh, I'd say I think that's probably your best bet. Uh, Eagle Moss makes a lot of really nice ships. Um, um, like uh, Chris, uh, Chris from uh, uh, Florida, I, I follow him on Instagram, and he's always posting up his new Eagle Moss ships, and uh, I'm very jealous. Eh? I wish I had, I wish I had those ships. Uh, like I say, they look really nice ships. But anyways, uh, they've got. Uh, you know, Eagle Moss, uh, issue number 16, they have a, a Ferengi model, Ferengi Marauder model ship. And uh, I think they're what, um, I think it's around, what, uh, $20, $25 American, something like that uh, for the ship. So if it's something that you're interested, you can check the Eagle Moss ships. Um, they're pretty, um, they're just kind of, uh, they're, they're smaller size ships. They're little, they look like they're real die cast kind of ships. So they don't take up a lot of space and they look like they're quite well detailed and well painted and, and things like that. So, um, like say, so if you're interested in, in, in that, you can check out the Eagle Moss ships. I'm, I'm actually, that's one up. I'm, I'm probably going to, um, get at some point, like say, I'm going to start a small kind of humble, um, Eagle Moss collection. Cause I, it's one that worries me if I get into it too much, then I, that's a real rabbit hole. So, um, so that's one option if you're looking for uh, for uh, some collectibles on the Ferengi Mara- Marauder ship. If you're interested in building your own um, Ferengi Mara- Marauder, you also have that option as well too. Um, you can build one. Um, round two, uh, which is a model company which releases a lot of the old uh, AMT sets, um, they have released a uh, Star Trek adversary set which includes kind of uh, a Klingon bird of prey and a Ferengi Marauder. And, um, like I say, that is, I, I'd look on eBay and, and the kit's not that expensive. I think it's like $12 or something like that, depending on, you know, the seller. They're little, these ones are just, since it comes in a two, um, two, uh, ship kit, um, they're just really small, little, like, uh, you know, like little three to four inch long ships. So, so they're not very big. They're just small little ships. So, um, they probably like say the, they probably don't take much to actually build them up. Just a few pieces, probably I'm guessing to uh, to get them assembled. So if that's something you're interested in as well too. You can check those out. Um, that might be a kid I might pick up uh, someday um, and build. Uh, like say again, it, it looks like it wouldn't probably take very much. It would be nice if someone would make like maybe a larger scale. Um, Ferengi Marauder, uh, that would be kind of cool. Maybe some, maybe there's a garage kit or something like that out there, um, possibly. But uh, if you're interested in in the in either of those, that's some options as well too. Um, there's like um, you know you can look through eBay and there would be you know different '90s toys, so like Micro Machines and all that for Ferengi Marauders as well too. So you might be able to find something there, but. Uh, it's not a real plethora of um, of toys for this one, which is understandable. It didn't show up in a lot of episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's not one of the more iconic ships, so I certainly understand where, um, where uh, like, say, 
there's not a lot of those those kits out there or those lot those ships and all that but uh i think for the most part you're pretty if you're looking for something i think though either those eagle moss ships or or this uh amt kit are are probably your best bet i'm going to kind of finish off this podcast with one more kind of um uh discussion i'm going to talk about um um a lego kit that i've been building for the past few months um just kind of give you some of my thoughts on that and uh i've been building um the uh ultimate collector series uh, millennium falcon this was a kit which got released um uh like uh, last year so it's been out for just about a year now it uh it's been released uh it's a uh, it's the it was the biggest um lego set that they uh, had released at, at i think believe, i believe it's still the biggest piece Lego set they've released at uh, 7,541 pieces. So it's quite a lot of pieces. It's a big ship. Like say, I'll tell you from building it, it's a really big ship. Um, the measurements on it are, uh, was it, uh, it measures uh, 8 inches high, 33 inches long, and 22 inches wide. So it's a, it's a big ship. And uh, like I say, there's a lot of pieces and of... I've been working on it for a while. Like the box, when I got the box, like I bought it at the store, and it was pretty heavy. I can't remember. I I weighed it, and it was something like it was like over thirty pounds of Lego pieces. So it was a it was a pretty heavy big box. And uh, I remember when I picked it up from the store, um, I went to the Lego shop and I I bought it, and then fortunately I parked at the other side of the mall, so I had to carry it all the way through the mall, and it was just like. Yeah, it was pretty tiring. That was a big, heavy box. So, by the time I got it out to the car, I'd, uh, you know, I was pretty worn out. Uh, like I say, woo, heavy box. But, uh, like I say, and unfortunately, heavy box, um, large piece count, big ship comes with kind of a large price tag as well, too. Um, I'll be honest, I, I, for kind of like it's a big ship, but for what it is, I, I, I think it's, it's overpriced probably by like, I don't know, like. A, two to three hundred dollars to be honest with you i i don't think it's worth like say i bought it but like say i don't feel it's i i don't feel it it really worth that price tag because i have a few like i've been building it and for the most part it's it's a very nice detailed kit and all that but um some of the parts on it are, are kind of flimsy like say the the back of the um the back of the ship where they you know kind of where they got all those kind of those I don't know those vents or whatever, like uh, all those vents at the back of the ship. Um, yeah, that all that area just kind of ah, feels like uh, it, it feels flimsy and it feels like like you really like it's not really a it's not really something you could ever play with. But it feels like if you even handled it very much, like say you'd kind of knock those things off, and and it kind of takes a lot to kind of get them kind of positioned properly and all that. So like say I, I kind of like i don't know like i was kind of uh, a little um a little disappointed in in that part and then uh, i i don't know too like say again they say it's got a high piece count but a lot of those pieces are like a lot of like little one stud type kind of pieces that are used to kind of like add um kind of detailing to the to the ship which is great and uh, like i said adds a lot of detail like this like looking at this ship there's a lot to look at but um 
I, I don't know. I, I, it feels like, yeah, you know, you got over 7,000 pieces here, but a lot of those are just uh, all little tiny pieces. So like, cause they're always, you know, like when you watch like, um, YouTube videos for like, uh, big Lego kind of builders, they're always talking like price to piece count and like, yeah, this has got a lot of pieces, but they're like just all like little one stud little blocks and all that. And it's just like, yeah, you know, that's, that's not as that not that's not the same as like a you know bigger kind of plate or something like that. So just I don't know. It feels like a lot of these pieces are just little tiny pieces. So again, I, I'm I just feel for the price on this that it it's it's kind of way overpriced. I guess the other thing, I guess I feel a little disappointed that you know it was such a high price that I felt that maybe they could have added some electronics in there, some lights or something like that in there but but there isn't there are some you can get some aftermarket kits for it um you know to kind of light it up but i just feel like oh for that price you know i i thought they could have added some lighting in there and i found as well too i was a little disappointed with the way they kind of um handled like kind of the engines in the back like they've got like this kind of this blue tubing but uh when i fit it in there it, like it's it doesn't align it looks kind of sloppy and it's just like I just I thought that that could have been that could have been handled a bit nicer, but um, uh, like I say, I guess it's kind of Lego and it's got to kind of fall into that. But overall, like say, like say it's it's been quite the build. Like say I'm about eighty percent done, so I I'm feeling I should be done in the next week or so. Like I, said, I only got like I think I only got um, it comes with because um, usually if if anyone's ever built Lego like built they'll usually you'll get this kit and then they'll kind of break it out into different uh, parts so uh, part one will so all these bags which are labeled one and then you know bag set two and bags three and bags four so and this one comes with like um 17 sets of, of bags so it came as a big box and then there was like four boxes in it with all the uh all the different uh bags uh for this so like say it was like a Again, it was like a lot of pieces, um, like say, it's a big ship. And uh, like I say, my challenge after I'm finished is uh, finding a place to to, to uh, display it. I, I kind of have an idea where I'm going to display it. Um, um, and one of the main reasons why I bought this was um, like it was like a year or two ago, I'd bought um, a Megablocks um, kind of enterprise. And it was a really large um, studio scale sized uh, enterprise uh, Megablocks. And I built that. And I thought, well, you know, if I've got this Enterprise, I would like to have, like, you know, the Millennium Falcon as well. So I thought, well, I'll get this Millennium Falcon. I guess the only downside is Millennium Falcon was, like, really high price. And the Mega Bloks Enterprise is, like, you know, like a, like a sixth or seventh or eighth of the price, hey? So, um, like, yeah, price, you know, it's just this um, Falcon was such a, a big investment. But uh, so... And that's kind of my thoughts on it. Like, say, for the most part, like, say, I'm kind of, I'm enjoying building it. And, um, like, so I'll, I'll be happy to have it. Um, like I say, I do have the quibbles. I feel like it's maybe not the most sturdy or solid um, piece. Um, but if it's just there for display, then then it looks pretty good. And, like I say, it's just impressive to see, like, um, like the size on that thing is, is, is quite impressive to see. Um, so, anyways, so those are kind of my thoughts guess it's time for me now to kind of wrap up this podcast um i'd like to thank everyone again for um you know taking the time to uh listen to me 
Uh, I'd like to thank Rico uh, for uh, asking me to guest host. It's always appreciated. I appreciate that uh, you know he uh, lets me uh, come and guest host. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, and congratulate Rico again for uh, hitting that milestone of uh, 700 podcasts. That's uh, a great accomplishment. So, anyways, I'd like um, like to wish everyone um, all the best and uh, talk to you soon.